The children's play area is closed. Written by Reddit user Darkly Gathers. The children's play area is closed. It's a simple sign, black text on white laminated paper with the fast food chain's logo in the bottom right corner. The restaurant is closed now. Silvery starlight filters in through the wall-sized windows all around us. The peeling posters and the various stands and trash bins cast overlapping and curious shadows. It wasn't hard to break in. Would you believe they didn't even bother to lock the doors? The restaurant stands essentially alone along one of America's longest, most forested stretches of highway. There's an unmanned gas station opposite. One lone, flickering neon bar is the station's only source of light. It casts a watery, pale blue aura across the pumps. A line of far-spaced and skeletal transmission towers stretch away above the treetops in a straight line in both directions, perpendicular to the road. But in terms of man-made structures, that's pretty much it. There are no street lamps, no buildings, just sprawling, endless forest, silver-tinted pines in the darkness. I turn my attention from the view outside, back to the restaurant interior. Eliza is fiddling with the locked door, the one with the sign on it. It reads, The children's play area is closed. Her tongue sticks out from her mouth at an angle, and her eyebrows are furrowed. Come on, she mutters to herself, adjusting her little tool set. Do you think you can open it? I ask her. Oh, I'll be able to open it, she replies. Just thought I'd have it by now. It's okay. We're not in any particular rush. But still, I think to myself, glancing once again through the windows. The woods stretch away, out into the darkness. We've stopped here three times, Eliza and I en route to our actual destinations. The first time was about six months ago, stop for food. Second time was just before Christmas. That's when we noticed that the sign was still up. We had some idle chit-chat about it. Third time was last week. We stopped for gas, and I made us come in to see if the sign was still up, and of course it was. Throw in the knowledge that someone supposedly died here, discovered by Eliza during a late-night forum search, and that was our interest well and truly piqued. We were hooked, and so we find ourselves back here once again, creeping around in the middle of the night. Snooping. We live for stuff like this, Eliza and I. I rest against a nearby counter and admire the artwork on the walls as Eliza continues muttering to herself. I use the terms admire and artwork quite loosely. Most of the walls are just glass, affording a view to the forest beyond. But of those that are solid, crude cartoon characters have been painted across them. Off-color Looney Tunes clones. One of them looks like it could be a Super Mario character. I don't know, they look weird in the dark. 
Their expressions don't seem quite so clear. Like they're less happy to be here, almost. I look away. The door clicks. Gotcha, Eliza murmurs, looking up at me with a shine in her eyes. She reaches up for the handle and gently pulls, and with a creak, the door starts to drift open. This must be the murder scene, surely, if someone did indeed die here once upon a time. We've searched the rest of the place. And hell, why would they keep a perfectly good play area all locked up for so long unless they had something to hide? There's no guarantee, Eliza had replied one evening with a shake of her head. Could just be a health and safety thing, maintenance costs or whatever. Yeah, but that's boring, I'd replied. Far too boring to be true. It was only a joke, but it seems now like I might have been right. Eliza and I stare, open-mouthed, as the door opens all the way up. Beyond it, and draped in shadow and dust, is a pretty standard-looking kid's play zone. Foam-padded poles create a structure in which a child could climb. There's a plexiglass dome window sticking out from one of the upper levels, and a couple of slides. These are not what draws our attention, however. What fascinates us about the scene ahead is the bizarre staircase in the floor, revealed by an open panel of flooring leading down into darkness deeper still. What the fuck is this? Eliza murmurs, stepping closer. Jesus! I echo, stepping to the edge and peering down. I look back to Eliza. I mean, we're going down, right? She rolls her eyes. <laughs> yeah, we're going down. Come on, let's do this. And so we do. With one final cautious look back into the empty restaurant, we descend the stairs. They're pretty narrow, so we go in single file with me at the front. My flashlight illuminates the way ahead. Down we go. Down. Down. The sound of our breathing becomes louder in the enclosed space. The stairs go forwards and backwards, but always down. Deeper and deeper and further and further below the surface. Kind of freaked out about this, not gonna lie, I mutter to her. Pussy, she replies, but she feels the same. I can hear it in her voice. The stairs do, of course, eventually come to an end. They lead us into a dark and cavernous subterranean hall. Everything structural is black. There are black pillars between random stretches of black wall. The floor is cold, black concrete, and where the gaps through the pillars and walls allow us to see, there's nothing. I shine the flashlight all around me. I cannot see the edge. I try to force a laugh, but cold sweat buds on the back of my neck. Eliza takes a step closer to me. I feel her shoulder against my arm. This is messed up, Xavier, she says quietly. Is this some kind of basement? 
Storage? Why are the ceilings so high? Why is it so deep below the ground? I don't know, I reply, stepping up to the nearest stretch of wall. Something has caught my eye. A faded, dank, stained piece of paper with some scribbled color across it. I peer closer. It's a drawing. Savior? Eliza begins, but she doesn't finish. The drawing is crude, made using block-color crowns. It depicts a family. A man and a woman, and between them, holding their hands, a kid. A girl, by the looks of it. She wears a blue skirt, and she's smiling. On the right-hand side of the page, beside the dad, is a brown splodge with two eyes and two ears. Could be a dog. That is the creepiest thing I've ever seen, Eliza mutters after a beat. She's right. It is creepy. A creepy kid's drawing down here in the dark. But still... I think it's nice, I reply, playing devil's advocate. And it is, kind of. In any other context, it would be lovely. She has talent, I finish, taping the picture back to the wall where I found it. A cold chill blows between the walls and pillars, and Eliza grips me suddenly much tighter. Maybe maybe this was a bad idea, Zave, she says. Maybe we should just go back upstairs. <laughs> now who's the pussy? I whisper back, chuckling, leading her on into the darkness by the hand. This might have proved to be a mistake. To tell the truth, I'd rather head back up to the surface also. But we're committed now. Best to press on. Our footsteps echo as we explore. There are more drawings down here. Some of them are pictures on torn paper and tacked to the walls. Some are scrawled across the walls themselves in white chalk. They become more numerous the further in we go. They seem to be of slightly better quality than the one by the stairs, but, but they're still not great. And they all depict the same thing. A girl, a child, all by herself. The colors of her clothes vary, but she always has long brown hair, and the hair's always done in the same exact style. Hey, I realize after a few minutes of walking, of exploring. She kind of looks like you, don't you think? What the fuck? Eliza retorts. Why would you say that? She stops, and her breathing gets really shallow. Wait, Eliza, are you okay? You know, I was only joking. I go to her at once, suddenly concerned that I might have taken things too far. Eliza is not coping as well as I thought she was. This isn't like her. I think we might need to head back. Eliza? I'm sorry. Look, let's just head back up, okay? We don't need to go any further. As I'm comforting her and calming her down, I can't help but glance to one of the drawings stuck to the wall behind her. This one is larger than most of the others. 
not quite to the same size as the chalk drawings, but bigger than its other paper counterparts. The edges are frayed and black. It depicts, as the others do, the girl. Her hands are folded in front of her body, her eyes are downcast, and she looks sad. I follow the drawing's line of sight. On the ground, slumped up against the walls and hidden in shadow, are a series of kids' books, color by numbers. There's a torn catalog from Claire's, riddled with mold and a torn plush doll, its head lolled to the side. And reality hits. What the fuck are we doing? Genuinely, why, why did we think that it was a good idea to come down here? My heart starts to race, but I have to hold it together. No use in both of us panicking. I grab Eliza's hand and start to lead her back the way we came. We're heading up, okay? We're heading up. It's all right. It's all right. But almost as soon as I've started to move, I freeze and we come to a sudden stop. A second of those cold, cool gusts of air rumbles by from some place unknown and it chills my skin. I can feel Eliza dig her fingers into my palm, but the pain does not register just yet. My adrenaline has spiked. Just ahead and through the pillars, a silver-white mist has begun to creep its way towards us, slowly cascading, drawing closer. And amidst this fog-like approach are a dozen little girls. Their eyes glow softly in the surrounding void. They drift with the mist through the darkness. They vary in height, in appearance, but they all look roughly similar to the girl in the drawings. They all have the same hair, at least. Their faces show nothing but sadness. Sadness and rage. The first of these specters bares her teeth. She screams. The noise is horrific. As if in a dream, a nightmare, we turn tail and we run. Screams echo through the darkness as we barrel our way through the void and past pillar after pillar. I accidentally slam my shoulder into one of the black outcrops of wall and cry out in pain, but Eliza drags me forwards. On we go through the darkness as we try to flee the encroaching mists and the mist's inhabitants. But wherever we go, that creeping silver mist finds its way to us. From different places each time, from around secretive walls, and from pipes in the ceiling, it just keeps coming. Eyes glow through the fog as the panic rises, and it isn't long before we're surrounded. Xavier! Eliza screams. What do we do? Please! I shout out into the mists. Just stop! And in this last desperate instant, a dark shape bursts from the final vestige of shadows. 
I swear my heart is about to burst through my chest with fear, but the shape does not attack us nor approach us. The shape is a man, and he throws himself between us and the mist. Stop! he cries out to the encroaching swirl. Leave them alone! Leave them alone, monsters and fakes! He turns to us. It is a man, adorned in ragged, dark clothes and shockingly pale, sickly-looking and ill. Quickly, he urges, grabbing me by the shoulder, looking into Eliza's face. Follow me! And he takes off at once through a gap in the mists. We look at each other, but realize we have essentially no choice. We take after him as fast as we can, lungs burning until we catch up. He mutters to himself as he spins round a great wheel on a black door built into a section of wall, and with a great creaking groan, he hauls it open. There's a small, flickering lamp inside, some benches, what looks like some old cupboards, and a bed. He pushes his way inside and beckons us to follow. Quickly, damn it, and close the door behind you. We do as he says. Eliza goes first and I bring up the rear, staring into the silvery darkness as the mist approaches. And with a grunt, I drag the heavy door shut with a boom. The mysterious man collapses onto his bed with his head in his hands, and Eliza and I do much the same onto the benches. We're quiet for a few long minutes, processing, composing ourselves as best we can. I break the eventual silence with what I feel is owed. Thank you, I say at last to the man. Thanks. He looks up and slowly swings his legs around, leaning forward towards us and resting his elbows on his knees. Do not mention it. They grow angrier by the day, and a small part of me doesn't blame them. Please, how do we get out? Eliza asks. The man turns to look at her and regards her. The stairs back up to the surface are more or less just behind this room, he says. I'll take you back there once the danger is dispersed. The lamp flickers. The level of light in the room is low. What the hell is this place? I ask him. What are you doing down here? The man glances at his watch. He angles his wrist to the light so that he can read the time, then sighs. I have a story to share, if you would hear it. It'll only take a few minutes. The mists will have parted by then. Eliza and I exchange a look. She shifts uncomfortably, but neither of us say a word, and the man takes this as his cue to continue. Many, many years ago now, he begins, his voice low. I was a troubled and lonely young boy. Before the construction of the restaurant... There was an indoor playpen upstairs, of sorts. My father used to drop me off here and leave me for the length of the day. Almost every day, in fact. The man shifts and sighs. 
And what child wouldn't wish to spend their days in a playpen? Endless fun, no? Well, no, as it turned out. As with most places, I was a quick and easy target for bullies. As soon as they caught scent of my weakness, well, that was that. They used to hold me down in sections of the playpen unseen by adults, and there were always too few adults. They used to draw on me, or hurt me. He flinches. Sometimes they would cut me with sharp tools. My mouth is dry. I glance back to the door. Eliza feels it too. We won't be able to just spring up and run should we choose to do so. The wheel on the door will need to be unspun so that we can escape. That will take time. I look back to the man at the far side of the room. This stranger. And what is he doing here? Living down here alone in the dark. They tried to take one of my teeth once, he says quietly. Why would they do this? A chance to play dentist, perhaps, with an actual subject? And I dare say they would have done it, too, or at least gotten further than just injuring my gums, had Heather not stopped them. A flicker of a smile crosses the man's face. Heather, my soulmate, she saved me, and she continues to save me. The man fidgets. My pulse has once again begun to race. She sounds like a great person, I begin, but, but I really think we should be. She saved me from them. She was brave, confident. She told them where to go. They laughed at me for needing rescuing, for needing rescuing by a girl of all people. But regardless, they backed off. The man rises to a stand. I realize just how tall he is, despite how crooked and hunched he appears. His hands are clasped behind his back. I did everything I could from that moment on to show her my affection, to show her my thanks. His smile falters. But she began to push me away. She was polite at first, she didn't want me around. Her words felt sharper than those of the others. They hurt me the most. The man twitches. Heather stopped coming one day. She just stopped coming. She was never there as frequently as I was, of course. But one day, she disappeared altogether. The man has begun tapping his foot against the tile. So I disappeared, too. And I promised myself that one day I would find her again. His eyes flicker over to Eliza. And today, I think, could be that day. He takes a step towards her. Heather, he whispers. This story sounds familiar, does it not? Is it you, my sweet... Eliza has risen from the bench and backed herself against the wall. No, I'm sorry, you have the wrong person. My name is Eliza. She shoots me a panicked look 
and I start to slowly move my way over, putting myself between them. Let's just stay cool, I begin warily. In the mist? I ask the man, trying to change the subject. Who are the girls in the mist? You called them fakes, Eliza murmurs quietly. That's right, the man mutters. They were fakes. All of them fakes, deceivers. None of them were the real Heather. But what are they? I ask. The man's eyes remain fixed on Eliza. They are monsters, ghosts, dead things lingering where they're not wanted. We need to go. We need to get out. How did they die? Eliza asks in a voice that's almost inaudible. I gave them what they deserved, the man whispers in reply. I killed them. Eliza, the door! I shout, jumping directly between them. And as quick as a flash, the man raises his arms up over his head and brings down a brick. He must have been holding it this entire time. I catch a brief glimpse and raise my hands in automatic defense, and it smacks down hard against my head. I drop to the floor as a dull ringing reverberates through my skull, I can vaguely hear Eliza shouting my name. Something pushes past my leg, I think. The door. I think she managed to open the door. I groan on the ground, head spinning. Blood runs down my arm. I was able to cover my head a little before impact, and one of my hands took the brunt of the blow. I think the bones are likely broken, but my brain struggles to process all the stimuli at once. The pain will largely come later, I should think. I can see the man in the dark clothes grappling with Eliza through my blurred vision. Heather! He shrieks. Is it you? Oh, you're so much older! How? How is it possible that you have aged whilst I have remained the same? We should be together! Please stop! Get off me! Eliza cries out. Their limbs merge together in my vision as they struggle. Come on, Xavier, I urge myself. Eliza's in trouble. You have to get up. Get up. I grunt and shake as I roll myself over, clambering up onto an elbow. But the man in the dark clothes is starting to drag her away into the shadows. He has her around the neck. Xavier! She screams. Help! Eliza! I try to call out in return, but it sounds sluggish and warped. I'm going to lose her, I realize. I'm going to lose her to the dark, and I'll never see her again. And just as these thoughts come through, this dark begins to rapidly recede. I crawl out through the open doorway and into the main hall, and an arc of misty light begins to shine all around us, coming from the distance. The pillars are stark in their contrast. As my vision returns, 
I see those familiar forms in the silvery smoke. I see the young girls, all similar in appearance, all with that same dark hair, still sad and still angry. But it's not directed at us, I realize, with a sudden surge of hope. The man is trapped in the middle. He still has Eliza by the throat, but he looks from side to side, panicking. Stay back, he warns. You can't take her from me again. She's mine. I've found her at long last. One of the girls opens her mouth to scream. The sound is dreadful and shrill, an icy wind that blows throughout the cavern. She's joined by another, and another. The noise rises and rises, and when I think I can bear it no longer, the man in the dark clothes releases Eliza so as to cover his ears, screaming himself, and he staggers quickly away into the shadow, yelling obscenities, swearing. I stagger to my feet, stumbling and slipping and falling, slamming a knee down into the concrete. I try again, and this time I'm able to go further, collapsing at Eliza's side, doing my best to reassure and to calm her. It's okay. It's okay. Come on, we have to go. She stares around us, watching as the ghostly girls drift and wail overhead. Come on! At last, she seems to snap out of it. I try to help her up, though it ends up more as her helping me, and together we race around the stranger's little room. The stairs are inside, at least. I suppose he was telling the truth. Past black pillars and shadowy walls we go. We've done a loop, it would seem, and approach the base of the staircase from the opposite direction. It's okay. We're nearly out. We're nearly out. And at our approach, we find ourselves stumbling to a stop. Staring, staring down at a ghostly little girl. She's sitting right in front of the stairs, at the base of the wall opposite. She's drawing something on a piece of paper with a few colorful crayons. She looks up at us as we approach, then looks up to the drawing taped to the wall above her head, the one of the family with the dog. She looks back to me. Thank you for liking my drawing, she says, and she smiles. Cautiously, I smile back. You're welcome, I say quietly, and she goes back to her doodling. A moment later, and she's gone, like a wisp of smoke in the wind. I squeeze tightly to Eliza's hand, and without another word, we ascend back up the stairs, step by step. It feels longer on the way up somehow. And at last, when we return to the restaurant, that silvery starlight still streaming through the wide glass pane windows, we turn and we close the door to the play area, shut tight behind us. The children's play area is closed, reads the sign. We've been back since that traumatic night. We debated on telling someone what we found and decided that it was simply the right thing to do. But as we drove past it once more just a week later, 
we were surprised to see that such might not be necessary. The whole restaurant had closed down. There were cop cars and vans parked all over, beneath the overhanging branches of the surrounding forest. Eliza and I went up to an officer to ask what they'd found. Discovery's been made beneath the facility, is all he said. A decades-old case looks likely to be closed in the coming weeks. Maybe a few more at that, he sniffed. Someone opened up some long locked door and some kid pushed through it just the other day. His parents went to go get him and found, uh, well, something they thought worthy of telling the owners about, put it that way. The officer shifts. Probably shouldn't be saying all this. He tips his hat. Have a nice day, folks. We glance behind him to see what looks like a body beneath a sheet being carried out to a waiting van. Thanks, I reply, exchanging a look with Eliza. We will.